Good morning. If you're a visitor here this morning, uh, welcome. Thank you for coming uh, to our second Vision Sunday, our gift day. I loved last week. I really felt the encouragement of God amongst us. Well done, done those. And this morning, to those who've stepped out prophetically, lifted the morning uh, by, with God speaking to us. Jesus wants us to be filled with his fire. That's what God was saying last week, wasn't he? Jesus wants to be filled with his fire, his Holy Spirit, carrying that fire out into the world that he puts us in. He does, doesn't he? I also felt particularly with what Charlotte brought a few weeks ago and also uh, from Joshua and also the picture that Pauline brought uh, last week um, with the gold in it. Remember what gold signified. Gold is what is left when the refining fire of God burns all the dross away. I really feel Jesus is bringing things to light. Nathaniel shared that this morning. Bringing things to light that need the refining power of God. Are you listening to God this morning? It's a good thing, actually, when God's refining power comes to the church. As we move into this next season of Jubilee, this is very important. Are you prepared? Hebrews 12:1 exhorts us to, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Throw it off, Jubilee. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. And let us run not, not, not a steady jog or a trot or whatever it is. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for everyone. Last week I opened with uh, the first two hours of our Jubilee uh, for our vision. What are there again? Shout them out. Receiving Jesus. Reaching out. Restoring community. Releasing everyone. Um, if you remember what I said last week, what God has called us to Jubilee is rationally impossible without God. Financially impossible without God. Practically impossible without God. Emotionally impossible without God. And what I said was, yet amazingly, that this is the very faith journey that God is calling us to. In fact, he'd have it, he'd have it no other way. But, 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 nothing is impossible without God. That's what the Bible exhorts us. Last week we unpacked the importance of receiving Jesus, encountering God face to face, all of us, through our prayer lives, through our worship, through unpacking the Bible, letting the the Spirit of God bring these life-giving words alive. God isn't our boss or our... uh, He's our Father, isn't He? Jesus teaches how to pray like you do, with such intimacy and closeness. Remember we said that last week? We talked about how that life of worship and prayer and, uh, and being stuck into the Bible, a life of receiving Jesus, looked like something. It looked like something. Our faith isn't just a personal thing. It's actually it's contagious. It's like a volcano erupting as Jeremiah declared in that passage. Uh, from Jeremiah 20 last week. Reaching out to those who haven't encountered this wonderful Jesus yet. If that's you this morning, you have the opportunity to encounter this beautiful Jesus who is doing things. Reaching out more and more to the poor and the marginalised and those on the edges of society. Reaching out to 
different nations, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Tanzania, Turkey. John Stott said we must be global Christians with a global vision. Why? Because our God is a global, global God. Reaching out to the younglings. Star Wars is coming out soon. I've got my tickets. Reaching out to young people in our colleges and universities. Church planting directly and indirectly. We're already seeing some of those things. Little, little saplings come about. Communication, our media website. How we convey our message. Very important out there. Jubilee, all of you, can I really encourage you to listen to these to this talk and last week's talks again, again a few times actually, and pray. Pray into what God has called, um, called us to do. They very much hang together, these talks. Uh, so if you weren't here last week or you haven't listened to them, download them, get them. We want God's vision, God's revelation, that's what God's vision is, God's revelation to bubble, bubble in, away inside of us, all of us, as we play our part, as we step out. Remember what Jeremiah declared over us last week. Jubilee, the Lord is with you like a mighty warrior. Do you get that? Take heart. Be bold. Take the whole of your family on this journey. The whole of your family. So this morning we're going to be looking at the next of our two hours of our, of our Jubilee for our vision uh, statement. Restoring community and releasing everyone. Um, and the passage from Jeremiah that we're going to be reading uh, uh, is very much at the heart of these things. It very much resonates with the voice of God to a people just like ours. So let's read Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 4 to 8, 11 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What does he say? He says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too might have sons and daughters. It's a generational thing. Also, uh, um, increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for this city because if it, if it, if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. They were saying something altogether different, as we'll hear later. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The Kearneys will be buzzing with this. This is very much the prophetic lines that Hope Foundation uh, came from. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and future. Then you will call on me and come to, and pray to me and I will listen to you, will listen to you. You will seek me and, and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found, declares the Lord, and will bring, back, will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, 
declares the Lord, and bring, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these uh, prophetic statements centuries ago. I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to your church. You are calling your church to wake up. Wake up to all to all that you've called us to. I pray, Lord God, for this church, Jubilee, as we hear these talks, as we, uh, as we kind of um, unpack them in life and reality over the coming years, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we will be a church that shines for you, a city with beautiful jewels on it, with the names of the people of God rising up, stepping out in faith, calling on your name day by day, pressing into you, being filled with your Holy Spirit. Fill us afresh, Jubilee, right now. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. Come upon us. Come upon us. Nothing is impossible without, with you, God. Nothing is impossible with you, God. We need you. We call on you. We cry to you this morning and for the season ahead. We let our lives be one of dependence on you. We let our lives be one of community together, being filled with the Spirit and coming together in power, displaying your grace and mightiness in the world. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Be with us. Fill us every day in your name. Amen. So, restoring community. This is a story from a long time ago. What's happening here? Actually, when you, when you understand what's happening here, it actually tells us a lot about God's new community, what God is doing uh, in Israel, what God is doing with the people of God, a new community, totally different. You see, this is uh, one of the most difficult times that the people of God so far have ever faced. It is. King Nebuchadnezzar was, one of, uh, was on, a ra- on the rampage, destroying killing, separating, looting Jerusalem, the city of God, the place where God dwelt, taking the people of God out of the city of God to an alien, foreign, fragmented world, Babylon, the city of man, in many ways like Teesside. What on earth was God doing? This was tragic. In the midst of all of this, however, does God have anything to say to his defeated, disgraced, dislocated, despairing people? Or had God given up on them? That's what these people were thinking. And really, that's the nub of this letter. It's a letter of hope, as Jeremiah writes in there. It's a letter of encouragement. It's a wake-up call about the mission of God to the community of God out there. That's what this is about. God, Jubilee, knows what he's doing. And so here in the confusion of their lives, God phenomenally describes two wrong ways for the community of God to live. Don't do it, says God. And then he talks about the right way, God's way. And when he declared that, what we've just read, it would have shocked them all. Two wrong ways first. Firstly, there was what King Neb was doing. Not King Neb. King Neb was doing. He was a master at dealing with unruly nations, was King Nebuchadnezzar. He was. Instead of banishing his enemies, instead of enslaving them and making them slaves, uh, making his enemies his slaves like other kings did, because he knew that didn't really work, they'd 
probably have uprisings or come back even madder. He did something altogether totally different. Historians love it. What did he do? Well, he realized, King Nebuchadnezzar, that the better way to take over a huge nation was to take its leaders, the mover-shakers of the nation, back to Babylon and over the next few years teach them to become Babylonians, Babylonianize them, as it were. Worshipping their gods, eating their foods, learning and taking on their culture, giving them good jobs, helping them out, helping them to settle down, assimilating them. That's what sociologists call it, clever people. Do you see the strategy? You assimilate the people of God intellectually, socially, culturally, spiritually, so that the whole community lose its ability to be the people of God. Within a couple of generations, they're gone. They're yours. They're just like you. That was the first wrong blueprint for the Christian community in the midst of a fragmented world, just melting in. But there was another one, though. This was what the exiled Jewish prophets uh, were were saying. You see, the professional class of Israel that were being exiled to Babylon smelt a rat. They did. They they, they weren't just going to melt in. In fact, quite the opposite. When they got to Babylon, the first thing they did was settle down outside the city on the Kebar Canal. The false prophets of the time were saying, hey, don't move into the city. That's not the place to be. We're believers, we're the people of God. Don't mix with them. Yuck! Let's only deal with those terrible, horrible people out there only if we have to, to the degree that serves us, the very, 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 very important people of God. What's that called? That's called tribalism. A community that is all about protecting and increasing and making life better for its tribe, God's people. Jeremiah is is saying, God is saying, these are two wrong views of Christian community. That's not how God wants it. He doesn't want assimilation. He doesn't want tribalism. You know what? We can be like both of these things can't we? We are like both of these things, often, if you really look at it. And so Jeremiah, God's true prophet, shocks them with what he's about to say. He says, no, no, no. That's what he says. This exile wasn't an accident, says God. I've I've brought you up here. Gulp. Jeremiah, my real prophet, has been telling you about it for ages. We've been looking at that over the last few weeks, haven't we? Listen up. It was me all the time. I have a purpose for you. I have a mission for you right here, right now. And it's in Babylon. So build homes. Move in. Go right into that city. Settle down. Stay there a long time. And raise your families and plant gardens. Increase in number. Don't decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon, of Teesside. Pray for it. Let your roots go deep, deep down. What a bombshell. You see, that's the deal, isn't it, Jubilee? That's the community that God is restoring here on Teesside. That's our prophetic wall statement. 
He says, I want you to move in. Get deeply involved at all levels. Get your hands dirty. Don't sit at a distance tutting. I want, you to, I want you right in there mixing with people who are completely okay about serial marriages, about relationships, about sexual promiscuity, about pornography, about trampling others uh, over others to make, it, to make it in life, about the rat race. I want you to engage in a world of Harry Potter stories and acupuncture and Reiki and karaoke, uh, not karaoke, karate, and, <laughs> and Halloween and Santa Claus and Tai Chi and meditation. What do you think about all of those? Not karaoke. I want you to be at the very heart, uh, the very centre of broken families, racial tension, what's going on in the world, terrorism, political unrest, injustice, poverty, abuse, settle down, move in, get involved in these things. Not just living in your holy huddles, separate from the world. No. And why do I want that, says God? I'll tell you why. Because I want my truth out there in amongst all of that. I want my power to be released through all of you, everyone, out there. I want my worship out there, not separate, don't you see? I want the city of God, you, all of you, right in the heart of the city of man, changing it through and through, letting God's spirit and power and influence change the landscape. Bombshell. Years later, Jesus says exactly the same thing. In the Sermon on the Mount, He says, you, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill with beautiful jewels. Your name's on every brick. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And what? Praise your Father in heaven. Jubilee, we want our community groups like this throughout Teesside. Lots of them. We want you to all be totally involved. Christianity is not a lone ranger faith. Jubilee, we as elders and as uh, team leaders, we are praying for 100% commitment to this. It's important. God's community is not just like a bag of marbles kind of bumping and rolling around over each other. It's it's more like a bunch of grapes. Interdependent, mutually feeding and enriching one another. Organically related to one another. Jubilee, we'd like to make some changes to our community life here. Fit for the future. We've been talking about it for quite some time. What am I talking about? Well, What would that look like? Well, from the new year, we're going to be launching what we're calling our new devoted community plans. Devoted. From February, once a month, we are going to be grouping two or three of our existing community groups into one larger devoted group. Why? Why the name devoted? Well, the Bible passage that has really shaped our understanding and uh, uh, and actions around community in the church over the years has been Acts 2.42, hasn't it? For those of you who've been around, Acts 2.42. How does that start? They devoted themselves. They weren't just busy doing something else. They didn't just make excuses. No, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship together and to breaking bread and prayer, a life of worship. 
This was the beautiful, vibrant picture, blueprint of early church community that we read in the Bible. People were devoted to it, and hence the name devoted. So we're going to be grouping two or three of our existing community groups into one larger devoted group. Once a month, these devoted groups will gather for a time of friendship, of worship, of prayer, of celebration in a bigger, more diverse setting. These these evenings won't be just copies of Sunday morning. They'll be varied in what they look like. Um, There'll be be a more sizable event than our smaller uh, community gatherings community group gatherings. They'll they'll mix you all up a bit. There'll be a training ground for leadership to develop, for all of us actually, to step out in faith and encourage in terms of the prophetic, God speaking to us, spiritual gifts, leading worship, encouraging one another through the word. This one anothering that God calls us to in, uh, in community. New ideas. These bigger gatherings will have a more functional and missional dimension as you pray together, hopefully. A structure that facilitates multiplication for the future. Also, in order to link us in as elders, eldership teams, uh, um, myself and Charlotte, Simon and Jody, Sarush and Marbach will be overseeing these groups, these gatherings. Not only... Uh, Not only that, but we'll be involved in supporting community group leaders more closely and helpfully. I think over the years there's been a little bit of a divide, a shift um, on a regular basis. Being more strategic, we want to be more strategically involved with what what these groups, what the communities of uh, of this church represent. Where are they going? I'm also hoping that these devoted gatherings will be a better landing site for our new people coming into the church. Not so small, not so small to make me feel uncomfortable, but not too large that I just get lost in the crowd. But it's not just about meetings either. These devoted structures will provide a framework for pastoral care and discipleship as all of us know who we're responsible for, who we're responsible to, who do we relate to. For those of you who've been around for uh, some years, they're a bit like our big group and small group vision of the past, which came from something that uh, Steve Witt long, long, long ago went down to Holy Trinity Brompton and kind of um, did a whole load of research, if you like. But as integral to these devoted launch, uh, but, but also integral to this devoted launch, will be our smaller community group gatherings that meet every uh, three or four times in the other weeks a month. This is very important too. Smaller gatherings are very important too in the life of the church. For, for most of you, those, these will be your existing community groups. For the larger community groups, that might mean a little restructuring, a little reshaping. Uh, to allow those times of closeness and deeper friendship and support and prayer times that you only really get in smaller gatherings. Devoted gatherings in different parts of Teesside, made up of a few smaller community groups meeting once a month, smaller community groups meeting every week the other weeks, an opportunity to step out and develop leadership, eldership involvement, uh, strategy, growth, pastoral robustness, an easier route for new people in. That's what we feel is right for the next season. We're going to be unpacking that in more detail uh, as soon as it hits the new year. 
Phil Moore, a Bible teacher for New Frontiers, commenting on Acts 2.42, says this, The structures and meetings which form part of most of our local churches today, although intermittently despised by people today, I'm sure you've all had a grumble in the past, is actually the very thing that saved the church from sinking under its great success. Now I know for some of you, you'll have heard that for the first time. Some of you don't like change. Some of you might feel, well, I like my group just the way it is. Thank you very much. But can I encourage you to press into this bigger thing? This isn't just about you and your group, but it's about lifting all of our heads up to the bigger picture, seeing ahead to what God is doing in Jubilee. Yes, there'll be glitches along the way. If I have anything to do with it, there will be. Yes, we'll get it wrong. Yes, it will morph over the coming months as, as we, as we kind of learn and, and, and kind of grow from our mistakes, if you like. There'll be practical hiccups. There will. I guarantee you that on behalf of our eldership team. But we believe, right, we believe this is right for the next season. We believe that a community structure that is strong and clear is really important for the future. If you're concerned, come and talk to us about it. We're happy to talk to you about it. What Matthew said this morning was very helpful. As we advance, some of these things are going to happen. Yeah? And God is calling us as a people to be prepared. Look, if you're from a different nation, and it's great to have different nations here amongst us. I've been talking to some of the kids, Eritrean guys, this morning. And if, you, if you're from a different nation and tend not to get involved with our community groups, can I ask you, this morning, right now, tell your friends to reconsider that. God doesn't want us to be just separate. That's actually what Hananiah was saying in uh, Jeremiah 28. That's what he was preaching, the false prophet. God wants you to help all of us see more of him through, our li- through your lives and gifting and culture and encouragement. The beauty of all of that. Please, please help us. For others of you who've just bailed out of community group over the years for whatever reason, can I ask you to take this fresh opportunity to step right back in? I've seen that over there. Equip groups. People who haven't been regularly coming to community groups have joined the equipped groups. Can I encourage you to take that step? Virtually all the main pastoral hurdles and disappointments and exits that we see in the church are with people who are not stuck into community life and have accountable friendships. That is just a fact. We have a devil who wants to break down the mission of the church. Don't be his victim, Jubilee. So we're going to be unpacking more about this over the coming weeks. Get stuck into the community life of the church. Talk to us about it if you want some more information. New people. Another part of restoring a community and growing God's city on a hill is encouraging new people into it. We want to see more and more new people, don't we? We we all have a part to play in that. We've already touched on how our devoted group structures might help that. The bottom line, Jubilee, I've been thinking about this a lot, this church is unique. We're not the, as Paul Paul Cattrall often says to us, we're not the um, middle class church we used to be. Praise God! 
We're racially diverse. We're socially mixed. We're geographically spread out. Our church backgrounds are very different now too. And however great that is in terms of building biblical church, I love it. It can pose difficulties for new people to navigate their way through it and settle into it. And so in all this, I think we need to look at this again. Developing a clear system where we can track and guide and connect people into relationships, into community and service more proactively, more effectively. I believe this is going to require a team of switched-on people making this work. We want more and more new people to visit and see the potential, God's potential of Jubilee becoming their missional home. That's imperative if we're going to go from 200 to 500 over the coming years. Young people and children, as a family, we are so grateful to be part of a church like this. Our kids love it. They love you. Dan, they love you. On behalf of all of us with little ones in our family, I want to say a big thank you to all our kids workers, our creche workers, youth workers, impact leaders. Hey, you impact guys are still big kids to us. Our kids and young people are also very much part of this same strategy, aren't they? They've got to be. As we review our younger people's work, and the key thing for me is bringing them on into our Jubilee for our vision too. Not an add-on to the more important work of Jubilee, but right in there, central to the call. What does the four R's mean for them? You see, the gospel is a generational thing, Jubilee. The Bible is full. It talks a lot about spiritual inheritance where my ceiling becomes the next generation's platform. How we include and release our kids and youth and young people is crucial to the mission of God. It is. If you're under the age of 35, thank you. If you're over the age of 35, this applies to you as well. But if you're under the age of 35, thanks for sticking with us. Be part of the solution in in the coming years. Restoring vibrant, dynamic, diverse, Holy Spirit-empowered communities across Teesside. Jesus, have your way in us. Finally, The fourth R, releasing everyone. See verse 11? What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you, says God. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found. I'm not just hiding declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. That's his promise to us, isn't it, Jubilee? There's a hope of restoration in God. Not a fingers crossed hope, maybe, possibly. No, it's a sure thing. Jesus knows. Jesus will have his way in your life. Jesus has a plan. Everything he has started, he will bring to final completion. It says that in the Bible. He will. In Jesus' church, everyone has a God-given purpose. Sometimes that, be, that might be more in the spotlight. Sometimes it might be less in the spotlight. Mike um, 
Besterfield with his team of set-up guys comes here week in, week out and makes all this happen. Most of us don't even really notice that. Most of us probably don't even thank him. He doesn't make a fuss about it. He doesn't jump up and down about it. Look at me! He just gets on with it. They just get on with it. There's lots of you actually like that in different areas of Jubilee. God is calling us to serve his vision. God is calling us, God is calling all of us to serve his vision. God is calling all of us to be restored to wholeness and fullness in Jesus. What for? To attend lots of meetings. No. To be sent out with a purpose. To be restored and equipped to make God's vision out there happen. Everyone. For we are God's workmanship, writes the Apostle Paul, created in Jesus Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Have you asked, your, have you asked the question, where do I fit into that prophetic statement? Pastoral care and discipleship. This is key. This is fundamental to the life of the church. I think, uh, I think once again, we lack a bit of structure here, particularly for the future. How, how, how churches do this across the board can be actually very different. And a big reason for churches doing different things and call it pastoral care and discipleship, a big reason for that, I've noticed, over the years, is what people think pastoral care and discipleship actually means. Because depending on what we think it means, it will result in different things happening in the church. The actual word disciple in the Bible, mathetes in the Bible, was, a, was Greek for student, learner, follower, apprentice, padawan. In Jesus' time, it wasn't for the teacher to pursue his passive, unmotivated, distracted pupils, but rather for the pupils to pursue their teacher. We need to think that through. That's why Jesus didn't recruit his disciples with prosperity theology and a big white Cadillac and a bag of goodies and a lot of stroking. But rather, he commanded them to simply take up their cross and follow me. Even though it meant give, leaving behind family, fields and fortune. Jesus' great commission, I think, is not so much a call for, uh, call for us to disciple the world one-on-one, -on -one, but, rather, but rather an amazing call to the world out there to become disciples. Devoted to each other and to Jesus. Seeing His beauty. A together community thing. Looking to encourage and support and challenge and grow one another into followers of Jesus, leading them to Jesus. That's how Jesus did it. As we've said already last week, we are looking at ways of releasing everyone systematically, proactively, missionally. But in all of that, it's about correct expectations of us in the church, about what a disciple looks like in life, in marriage, in parenting, in battling with sin, in leadership, in being a salt and light influence where God puts us. Not an easy ride at all. Actually a long haul, costly, sacrificial, joyful expedition. 
And so our community group structures will be important to that. Our equip weeks will be important um, to that. Marriage and parenting support will be important to that. Diversity and how we encourage that will be important too. Serving will be important. Training and raising leaders will be important. Evaluating everyone's gifting and how they could serve the church and its mission will be important. We've already started, just started looking at this. Will you, Jubilee, follow Jesus? What's he saying? A missional hub. Notice I've not called it a building. A building is just a building. It's static, it gets old. (coughs) We are asking God for a missional hub, a center point from which we can dream dreams, plan, implement, develop all of this for our vision. We had a great time of envisioning. I said I'd feed back to you. We had a great time of envisioning and dialogue with Mike Robinson, the chief executive of the Middlesbrough Council, the other day, and his team on bonfire, well, the day of bonfire night. They were clearly impressed with all of what God was doing through his church, you and me. And basically they said, look, we want to help you. They seemed to say, we want to help you. It took us by surprise a little, if I'm honest. They said, rather than just concentrating on this one property, we want to search for all the options available to you. The best one. It might be this. this it might be this one, but it might be somewhere else. We have teams of people who do that kind of thing. Can we help you? They are fully aware that we don't have a lot of money. It didn't seem to put them off when we were having those discussions. In fact, quite on the contrary, quite the opposite. They felt the impact of what we were about, our jubilee for our vision. And do you know what? We didn't take receiving Jesus out of it either. We were crystal clear about what motivates us, our love for him. They were okay with that too. Jubilee, for us to get a building at this stage of our finances will take a miracle. Don Smith said at our community group, Southside Community Group, a few months ago, when you don't involve yourselves in things that are bigger than you, you don't need God. And God requires us, uh, of us to need him. We need to need him. Our God is a miraculous God. I feel building, uh, buildings actually are key to our growth journey. Will you pray, keep praying, keep giving for the power of heaven to come and fall in Teesside. Middlesbrough needs a big church. Finally, generosity. This is a prophetic hallmark of this church. Um, if you want to bring this, if you, someone wants to bring in the kids, um, you can bring in the kids. This is a prophetic hallmark of this church. God is calling us to be a church that is recognized more and more for, his, for its generosity. Not just to big us up, but to declare the awesome generosity of Jesus himself. God himself. Paul Woodward instilled that into us, didn't he? The love of money, not money itself. How we steward our homes and cars and availability, our skills and volunteering ability. These can be deep strongholds in our lives. And Jesus said it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's the freedom he wants us to experience too. That's the freedom he wants us to call people to. Being generous in all areas of life. Listen, in the midst of... um, 
listen, in the midst of um, um, one of my financial wobbles when I'm thinking, how are we going to get through this? How's the church going to get through this? God said clear to me, look, we are God's millionaires. Matthew 6 says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but instead a much, much better way. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, Jubilee, that's where your heart will be also. Our treasure is him, isn't it? The band can come up, that would be good. Jesus is our treasure. This one, this treasure, was exiled from the city of God, wasn't he? Crucified outside the city gate, the Bible tells us. On the cross, our treasure, beautiful treasure, was forsaken. He was cosmically thrown out. God forsook him. He lost his beautiful, timeless relationship with his father. He experienced hell there. Our treasure was thrown out of the city of God so that you and I could be brought into the city of God forever. Jeremiah didn't fully understand the fulfillment of what God was declaring through him. But we do, Jubilee. Jesus got the banishment we deserve. He got the exile. He took it for us. And when you see him more and more as your great treasure, you'll do anything for him. You will. That's what motivates us. What we are called today, this gift day and gift days to come, what we're called to in the future, our jubilee for our vision, can never, ever be a guilt thing, a pressure thing, never. But rather through seeing him as our treasure, above all other treasures, what we give, what we sacrifice, will seem like nothing, nothing in comparison. Looking to him, our great treasure, everything we do, we'll do in joy, in love, in passion, in zeal and excitement. Why? Because he's taken our breath away. Has he taken your breath away? For God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we, everyone who trusts in Jesus, might become the righteousness of God in him. In him, stand firm together, Jubilee. Receiving him, being filled with his spirit every day. Coming, kids. Reaching out to the world with his hope. Restoring his community. Being released and releasing others into the freedom and purpose of Christ. That's what you've given to last week. That's what you'll be given to, giving to this morning in faith, in joy, in zeal. Nothing, nothing, say it out, shout it out. Nothing is impossible without... No, no, a bit louder, please. Nothing is impossible without God. It isn't. With God. Thank you, someone is awake. Let's stand.